0: You're listening to the Paradox Church podcast. Paradox Church is a Jesus-centered community where our motto is, come as you are, no perfect people allowed. For more information about our service times, location, and to get connected with us, please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning, everyone. It is such an honor and a privilege to be here today with you. Uh, you know, as, as Rory and as Liz was saying, you know, it's been several months since we've all been connected here uh, in person as uh, uh, as a body together, and as part of that, even today is a special day for me. It's, it's an opportunity for me to be up here and speak, and Dave had asked me a few months ago if I would share a few words, and uh, I'm... Uh, Going to do that, maybe a, f- a few more, but uh, he, he told me I've got about 90 minutes, so hopefully, you know, we, we stick to that today. Uh, a little bit about me. There's We've got a picture here to, to, to pull up. So, this is my family, my wife Christy, uh, and we've got three children and a dog uh, Emma, who is 15, Matthew, who's 12, and Jacob who's 10, and then you can't forget Max. So that was a picture taken uh, during the COVID period of time. And uh, just a little bit about me. My wife and I have been part of Paradox since the very beginning. The last, 12, we were, last night I was asking her, how long has it been? And it's been 12 or 13 years. And you know, I've, we've had various le- different levels of involvement and uh, leading and attendance and participation throughout the church over the years. And it's so cool. To have an opportunity to be up here on stage with you today and, and share a little bit about what God's been putting on my heart. So I've got a question for everyone. By show of hands, who loves potlucks? If you're like me, there's nothing better than a good potluck. If you've been around me, uh, you've either been participating in a potluck or you've been at my house. I'm always looking for people to bring uh, you know, things over, you know it, it's it's a great meal. It's a great fellowship opportunity and things about that. And to be honest, the Super Bowl to me is more about the potluck than the game. Uh, but that's just a little uh, honest truth about me. But a couple of weeks ago, Paradox uh, had our had our camping trip. It's an annual thing that we've done. Chuck and Kim Wolf, if you're listening online, I think they're actually camping right now, uh, helped organize that and put it together. and and as part of that, um, one of the big events that we have is on Saturday night, and Saturday night is the big social. Everybody brings, you know, a dish to pass. You can see here's a couple of pictures that were that were up there. You got chips, you got snacks, you got desserts, you got sides, you got everything. But what's the one thing that we do is in in a potluck? You know, as you as you start to go through the line and add a little of this, a little of that to it, and then you. At least for me, as I'm as I'm gone through the line, I start to head back to my seat, and I can't help but notice and look at what everybody else's plates that they have out there on, um, in front of them, and I'm so quick to to form a point of view on that that I'll see it's like, holy cow, Johnny over here, he's got, you know, he's he's got an issue with portion control, right? You know, even even Sally over here, she's you know, she's kind of you know, she's got six desserts in front of her. And the thing that we realize is we're so quickly able to see the the, the plates and pass judgment about everybody else, but we don't realize like what's on my own plate. I've got meatballs, I've got you know seven different salads, you got the broccoli salad, you've got the regular toss salad, you've got the ramen salad, you've got macaroni and cheese you've got coleslaw, you've got potato salad, you've got green beans, and then that's even before you get to the main course, which is the burger and the hot dog, which you just pile that sucker right on top. So you've grabbed a little bit of everything. And as mentioned, we're so quick, we don't even realize it, at least myself personally, that I'm, I'm worried about what everybody else is, or I'm looking at what everybody else has, what they have in front of them, and I don't realize that I have twice as much food as them or just, amount, just as much as the same as them, but I'm worried about what they've done, not realizing the huge mess of stuff that I have in front of me. So my point is, when we begin to see and look at what everybody else has in front of them, we don't realize how big of a plate of stuff we have in front of us. So what's happened to people? Why do we do that? Look at what's becoming in the world. Just, just go on social media today, if, if you are, or it's, it's best to probably not be on there. It's easy for us to sit behind a computer, our phone, and somebody posts something about the political, or our president, or the election, or governor, or about vaccines, or just anything. And so, peop- so often, we're so quick to form a point of view, or make that comment, or whatever, and hide behind you know, that phone or computer and, and share that. And we make those assumptions about those people. We don't know their story, we don't know who they are, but we can so quickly judge and be able to do that. And when we begin to do that, we can start to form resentment. And resentment can be very dangerous. It can be towards even your spouse, where there's maybe a divided household on on certain certain topics. It can be towards family. You see that. You've seen conflicts on there. You just see family members go at it on Facebook. Friends. You can see that happening through your friends um, on social media as well. And in the end, relationships are strained, and oftentimes they can be destroyed through that hard hearts can be developed, and that's a terrible place to be in. But, but, when we look at and we focus on the mess in front of us, if we can begin to do that, we can start to see ourselves more clearly, but ultimately we can begin to see others more clearly way, more clearly as well, in a different way. But what if we don't? What's the risk if we don't do that? We can tell ourselves, you know, things are never going to change. That person's always going to be that way. They will always respond that way. We can be left feeling hopeless. Hopeless is, is a word that speaks to me. I felt hopeless at times about my marriage. I've struggled with that. At times, my pain feels like it will never go away. The disconnection and the loneliness that I felt sometimes as a man, or as a husband, is ultimately that I've realized this is not what it was meant to be. I didn't sign up for that. Nobody told me what marriage was supposed to be like, besides, you know, you, you've got the white picket fence, you've got the family, you've got the dog, right? And you, you know, I go to work, I come home, we make dinner, we have it together, and we have family time. That's marriage. That's maybe what we often hear, but we don't realize what marriage really is until we begin to get into it and most often people don't share the details about what marriage is until the mess starts happening so if we want to have help for change, if we want to start to change our point of view, our perspective, we need to have hope but what I realized is I was looking for hope in the wrong places in my story. I was looking for my hope to be in my wife, to fill my needs. And what I realized is she's just as broken as I am. We're broken people. We're fallen men. We're fallen women. And so there's four ways that I'm going to talk about hope today. And for those that love an acronym, uh, we're going to spell out hope. So the first is going to be talking about humility. Second will be openness, pain, and endurance is the fourth. So let me pray before we open up what God's word is. Lord Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you. Father, we ask today as we come before you in whatever situation we are, Lord, and maybe some of this message has already started to resonate, we can connect to it. Lord, let my words not be mixed into my own desires in me. Let them be just a vessel to you, Lord Jesus. Let me not get in the way of what you have called and prepared for for us today, Lord Jesus. We ask this, Lord, in your most holy name. Amen. So over the summer, we've been going through this series on um, the Sermon on the Mount. It's been through uh, Matthew, coming from the book of Matthew, which is one of the Gospels in the New Testament. And we've been going through chapters 5 through 7. Today, uh, we'll be talking about chapter 7. or are going through chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. And so the first verse, if we can throw that up here. It'll be on the screen. It also, if you're on the version app, you can be able to pull that up as well. It says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged and with the measure you use it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Finally, in verse 6, Do not give dogs what is holy. Do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. So our first item we're going to talk about is, is humility. Where do we start with this? When we start to look at, try and understand, looking at the log in our own eye. To me, it starts with looking at our pride, removing our pride, and having the will and desire ultimately to begin to take a hard look at yourself. As men, what often is the biggest obstacle in front of us that log in our own eye? It's our pride. It's our pride. We think that, you know, just... It's too hard for us to be able to try to overcome things or look at ourselves and change when, again, it's so easy to begin to look at everybody else. Do you agree? Do you agree that pride gets in our way? And it's not just with men, women. Your pride can get in your way as well. But if you're not, and you're right, and I'm wrong, then that's my point, right? We've got to begin to be able to look at that. Humility means maybe I'm wrong. So back in January, my wife and I had the opportunity to be back up here on stage. And it was through the, the series I was, believe is was called Relationship Goals. And we were asked to share our marriage story as part of that. And as you can uh, recall, and for, those, some of us that, for some of you that, that know us, um, our marriage hasn't been the pretty one. And maybe for those that don't know us as closely, maybe you think from the outside we have a great marriage. You know, we've got family, kids, we all come to church together. But, but that was kind of far from reality. Our marriage started off really bad. And in January, I described it as it sucked which is a hard word, it was tough, it was, very, it was very difficult. We've had several years of challenges, disconnection between us, and it was, it was tough. We started seeing a counselor from a very early age, or early age, early years in our, in our marriage. And for me, I was pretty resistant to going and seeing a counselor. Going to a counselor means you have problems, it carries shame, Guilt, embarrassment. I didn't want to go because I was afraid of what people would view of us by going. But then I had this kind of epiphany that, well, if I go, maybe this actually could work out to my advantage because the counselor will actually probably see that majority of the problems are Christy and work through her, which will in turn help me. Well, let me me tell you, that strategy did not work. Eventually, and I stress on the word eventually, I learned I have some things I need to learn about myself. I have some things I need to worry about. It's not just what the things I, word, I was doing, but often a lot of it and even more to it, it's the things I was not doing as a husband and as a man of God. It wasn't until I stopped looking at her as the problem and began to focus on myself, that things began to change. Why is that? It wasn't that she didn't have problems. She didn't have issues. She had her own story. She had her own things that she needed to work on. But we were so focused on what the other was doing or not doing that we had blinders on to begin to look at ourselves. So until we were willing to be able to start to do that, things changed. And I even said back in January, where in our counselor, God love him, Scott, he, uh, he often called it going through the meat grinder. He said, if change is going to start, it's going to start with me as the man. The man has to lead in that change. And I had to get over my what? My pride in order to begin to do that. So to be humble means to get a right view of where you stand and where does God stand? And to be honest, most people, this is something we don't want to do, right? We don't want to look at ourselves. It may be ugly. It may be scary. may have a lot of fear. Maybe there's shame. And it's easier to bury it and ignore it. Why do we do that? Jesus humbled himself. It says in Philippians 2, chapter 8, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus showed and demonstrated humility. My challenge to you is humble yourself before God. I haven't been perfect. I still am not perfect. Far from it. I haven't put God first for everything. All of us have messed up we carry around our various baggage that we have and it even takes humility and vulnerability today to share some of that with you so that first step taking that first step is having humility with god and by doing so by having humility it creates the opportunity for openness in my story and as i'm being able to do that i can start to have openness with my friends my brothers my sisters My spouse, the men that are in my small group, our small group that my wife and I are part of. Humility starts there. The second point here is talking about openness. So when we start with humility, then what are the things that we need to start to be able to do? We need to start unpacking what is that log that's in front of us, and we need to be open. We need to be curious. Let me ask you this question. Have you thought about your life as a story being told? Sometimes we reflect back and we see life is just a series of events and things that happen and it's just there. But has there been a purpose to your story? Who are some of the main characters in your story? Well, it's often many, you know, it's our it's our parents, it's our brothers and sisters you know, as, at a young age? Maybe it was a grandparent or an aunt and uncle that possibly raised you. Other family members, friends. If you look at who are the main characters that have been a part of your life. What are the major events that have taken place? High school, maybe something in elementary school, something big, a big achievement. You know, maybe you got the, uh, you know, the... the the ball game at the end of that that big game in Little League that you 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 won because you had the big hit. Maybe that was a big, significant event for you. Where's the tension in your story? Where's there been conflict or pain? Maybe it was at a young age, as I talked about, as part of the main characters. Maybe it was not your parents. Maybe you don't even know who your parents are or your father, or your mother, because they abandoned you as a child? Was there any addiction? Where is there addiction? Was addiction in the past, or is addiction something that you're still struggling with today? Has there been tragedy, either that you've been a part of, or that you've witnessed tragedy? Loss, pain, hardships. Think about family relationships. Maybe you even feel like you're in a lot of this tension, conflict, pain right now. But the one thing about your story, your story isn't your salvation story. Your salvation may be part of your story, or maybe it hasn't been a part of it at all. Maybe it was a blip on the radar of the point of your story, or maybe it was a big part of your story. If someone were to write a book about your life. What would the title be? What would be the name of the, each of those chapters? What would be the words that would be written on those pages? What's your story? As we begin to start to understand our story, we can begin to see ourselves more clearly. And this in the hope here as this opens up our eyes to seeing ourselves more clearly, again, we can begin to see others more in, a, in a more clear way. When we do that, it can be beautiful. When you open up your story and you begin to share that with others close to you, others feel, wow, I can relate to that. I know my wife and I, we've had a couple of miscarriages. You don't talk about those. But when you do, all of a sudden, you realize somebody else has, too. Oh, yeah, we had that, too. People begin to start to share their story. And you start to connect through that, which is powerful. Intimacy can begin to connect in relationships by doing that. Grace is given to others. And love in a new way can begin. So what does it mean to look at your story What does it mean to look at your story in God's story? If you've not realized, besides, there's a lot of words in the book of the Bible, but there's a story that's being told there. And if God, as it says in Genesis, created all things, right? The heavens, the earth, the air, the birds, the sea, the water. He also created male and female as image bearers. So if we are part of God's creation and God is telling a big story, what is our story in that? Have you thought about that? Have you connected that together before? What does my story look like in the context of God's larger story? A tremendous resource, I mentioned a guy by the name of uh, Dr. Scott Engelman, is Awaken Hearts Ministries. And Scott had the uh, privilege of counseling, or we had the privilege. I don't know if he had the privilege. We had the privilege of being counseled by him, uh, which is not easy, and I use the analogy of going through the meat grinder at times. But Awaken Hearts Ministries is something that several here at Paradox have been a part of, connected of, whether it's through their men's small groups, whether it's through their marriage retreats, whether it's through their seminars, helping men and marriages find hope and connecting to that and what does it mean to live our lives with God at the center? We're going to share some more about that later if you're interested in more resources. But one of the series that, that Dr. Scott did is, was around God's story, your story. And what does it mean? What is the biggest story? What is the big story that God is sharing? And how are you a part of being connected into that story? If you're interested in that, we can share some more information about that. But sometimes, and I'll, rather, and I'll say oftentimes we need help in connecting those major dots in our life and beginning to unpack that. This is a journey, and this is a journey I encourage you to not do al- at it alone. Many of you know what a huge advocate I am of small groups. We've been a part of small groups since, as far as I can remember, all throughout our marriage, men's groups marriage groups, etc. And in our small groups I've, we have developed, I have, both of us have developed some really lifelong relationships true friendships where I call it brothers and sisters not just surface level relationships. They've been super influential in our marriage but the big thing is demonstrating vulnerability If you want to begin to be more open and connected with others, you got to have and demonstrate vulnerability. And as Scott Engelman has said at times, vulnerability begets vulnerability. But this is often where our pride gets in the way. We're scared, we carry the shame or fear of how will somebody else view me? Well, let me tell you, quickly I learned we are not alone your issues, your struggles in your marriage, or personally as a man or as a woman, you are not alone. We are all broken people. But being in a small group has created that opportunity to be with others on a similar journey. We're in different stages of our life. Some are older, some are younger, some are just having kids, some are not. Some are newly married, some have been married for a long time. But the key thing is that as we begin to understand our journey, we're all headed in the same direction. And ultimately, we try to struggle well by doing so. So I mentioned our one of the small groups, the marriage group that my wife and I have been part of. <clears throat> the focus has been around building connection, because where there's connection, there's life in your marriage. And an exercise, and and they didn't kill me for doing this, and nobody died for doing this, was last year, and some of them are here today, is I challenge them to go home, ask your spouse, what's it like to be married to me? That's not an easy question. The second thing I said is, when you ask that question, shut up. Listen, don't try to defend, don't try to question, don't try to justify, listen. As you begin to start to understand your story, you need to be listening where others are, can start to share some of that, what it's like to be in a relationship with you. Looking at ourselves is not easy, it takes humility. And in that humility, we begin to be more open in sharing and unpacking that. But here's the kicker. There will come pain. Sometimes you feel like when you're down, the struggle is sometimes the enemy can come in and kick you when you're down. He'll put those voices in your head, those thoughts that you're right, you aren't good enough. You're a failure. All those thoughts of, you know, really who you are, your character, your worthless, or your, your worthiness. Satan's right there when you're starting to question that to start reinforcing that message. So be aware of the enemy as you're going through this. This is something ultimately that we run from. Nobody likes to feel pain. When you remove that splinter from your finger, it hurts, right? You feel that. You feel that little poke. What's the famous saying? No pain, no gain. Exactly. Not that many years ago, um, I was in a funk myself. Well, my buddy is here and he called it Groundhog Day. Christy and I were in our hardest years of our marriage. All of the pent-up years of me feeling disconnected, loneliness, feeling empty were really beginning to build up. I couldn't take it anymore. I was leading small groups here at the church. I stepped down. I needed to step away. I was angry towards God. I was angry towards her. I was angry towards my friends that kept pushing me. And then the result of that, the consequence of that turned towards resentment. Resentment towards my wife and resentment Towards God. It was not fair for me to put the pressure on my wife to fill my voids, to make me feel whole. That's not her job. And ultimately it hurt her and at times crushed her, the pressure I would put on her. I remember saying to myself, this is not what I signed up for. This is not what marriage was supposed to be. Yet by the grace of God, we still remained in counseling in our marriage and in our small groups at that time. Which if we wouldn't, I don't know if we'd be here today. Several items, as I shared, were hard to face. Especially being open with the guys that are in my men's group that I've been a part of for the last 12 or 13 years. There was pain, a lot of it. But through that suffering, through the pushing of The brothers and the sisters and the couples that we were a part of so close to us, through the pushing us back into the ring, don't give up, don't stop. Through that suffering produced endurance. In Romans 5, chapter 3 through 5, it talks about endurance. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. My wife and I have come a long way. I've come a long way. These last couple of years have been the best years of our marriage. It wasn't through, as we begin to work through the challenges and disconnection to us, we finally began to see each other differently. Christy, I love you. Thank you for being there with me. So as we do that, let's talk about what endurance looks like. And I asked the band to come up at, at this point here. Endurance is where we seek help from the Lord. Before Jesus' death, he was talking to his disciples in anticipation of his death, and he shares the promise of the Holy Spirit. And in John chapter 14, 15 through 17, it says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be with you. The Holy Spirit is incredibly powerful, and it's an example of that. When we're in the midst of the pain, when is our, our heart, our stomach aches, the Bible describes we're groaning. You can't describe what that feeling is like. The Spirit intercedes to us. and One of my f- favorite books of the Bible comes from Romans. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 22 through 27, it says, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoptions as sons, the redemptions of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it. We wait for it with patience. Likewise in in verse 26, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For, For we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. With the Holy Spirit, we have hope. The hope is what we, what is to come, ultimately. Christ's return, and it says we wait for it with patience. I don't know about you, but I don't have patience. I don't like to wait. But as we, as I changed my mindset of realizing that, I tried to put the hope in my wife that she will fill and meet all of my needs, fill my void to my emptiness. I changed that, pivoted that focus to God. And God is the only one that we can count on His hope, as scripture says. And as I did that, I saw my wife differently. I saw others differently. My wife is is the woman God's creation was described as the treasure, the prize. It's God's daughter. I saw her differently. And as I began to do that, it changed my focus towards her. Instead of looking to fill me, I realized what I can be is a blessing to her. I need to step forward to that as a man. And in those times, because there still are going to be times where there's disconnection and there's, there's fear and pain, I can count on the Holy Spirit filling and meeting those needs for me. And just similar as I started to do that with my wife, I started seeing others differently as well. I wasn't so quick to post a comment back on or a point of view on something that they shared or what they said because they have a story too. So my question to you today is where do you need to take that next step? If you need that help today, I invite you in this next song that you lift up your eyes to Jesus. Let me pray. God, I need help. We need help. Will you humble us? Help me and us to learn our stories and have openness with others. We have pain. I have fears. Help bring me people that we can connect with that we can begin to be open and they be open with us as well. Jesus, you sent, scripture says, a helper, the Holy Spirit. Help put words to that pain, that disconnection. Don't let our pride get in the way of doing so, Lord. And in the end, we know This is not what it was meant to be. This is not how it was supposed to be. And so what do we do, Lord? We wait for it with patience. We count on your word as you are the only solid truth that cannot break us and break your word. Lord, may we lift your eyes to you today. Amen. If you prayed that with me today, praise God. The first start, the first step, as I said, begins with humility. So if during this next song, if you'd like somebody to pray with, out these doors, there'll be some people there that you can pray with. Come forward or come backwards. And uh, they'll pray there with you. And if you're online with us today, glad you're here. Post a comment. If you'd like some prayer, post a comment out there. And we'd be glad to pray with you. Thank you for listening to the Paradox Church podcast. If you want more information about us or to just get connected, please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com. We would love to hear from you.